0: This is 50 Reasons to Visit Britain. We're your hosts, Joe Donovan
1: and Caitlin Potts. Coming up on today's show, we get chipper and cheerful with some Charles Dickens storylines.
0: Caitlin overshares some not-so-fun facts about Lewis Carroll.
1: Joe finds he's actually wrong about something.
0: We have much ado about Shakespeare.
1: And we finally, yes, finally get the chance to interview J.K. Rowling. everyone and welcome to episode 11 of our 50 reasons to visit Britain from Crystal Travel and Tours in Boston. My name is Caitlin and I am a big bookworm, especially when it comes to writers and authors, poets, all of those great people from the UK.
0: And my name is Joe and I am not as big a bookworm, but I'm huge on poetry. Not really. But I like poems a little bit.
1: <laughs> not really. Huge on a bit, not not so much kind of kind of okay during each episode we will be focusing on a new and exciting reason to travel to britain
0: as i am sure you can probably already tell today's reason number 11 is writers and poets of britain
1: i'm excited about this episode joe
0: yeah big shakespeare fan
1: i'm i'm not actually
0: this is a little Shakespeare-heavy of an episode, so... I
1: guess it is, yeah, including, or starting off with, I should say, our, our BuzzFeed quiz, which was, which character from Shakespeare are you?
0: Which character from Shakespeare are you? Yeah.
1: Broken? I am Hamlet.
0: Wow, you got one of the big ones. I
1: know, but it kind of surprised me. You are tremendously complex, thoughtful, inclusive, impulsive, careless melancholy and more, all at once i don't think i've you're most on, of those you're only
0: half of those things if if not fewer
1: <laughs> i know so let's hope you don't die after being stabbed by a poisoned sword there you go
0: i think we should all hope that <laughs> on this day of <laughs> i days, would hope so
1: how about you what did you get
0: i got beatrice from what you do about nothing ah i have never read that book me neither never heard of beatrice before you're wise, you're funny, okay. you're willing to risk everything. Wow. And at times, you're genuinely a character to be feared. Mm. The audience loves you. Yes, that's in big <laughs> block capitals.
1: Including the podcast audience. Apparently. Naturally, naturally. Let yeah, I just feel like just swim
0: in th- my fan mail for a little while.
1: I guess so. I feel, <laughs> I feel like Hamlet's just really depressing. I don't think BuzzFeed got that one right. Really? Yeah, it's I know. Not like, shocker. It's not like Buzzfeed to get Real along. shocker there. Yeah, yeah. All right, take us to Crystal Math, Joe. What do you have?
0: Crystal Math. This week, in Shakespeare's lifetime, he wrote 37 plays and 154 other works that we are aware of, which is a stupid amount of writing. He also wrote one tenth of the most quoted lines in the English language. To be or not to be. Ah. Uh. That is the question. Of course, there's all sorts of rumors that he plagiarized a lot of his work and stole it from other people but we're not going to get into that today because (laughs) shakespeare is a a gem yes shakespeare's earliest work was done in 1589 while his last work was done in 1613 which is not a huge amount of time but back then lives were shorter so that explains that one Mm -hmm. a tale of two cities has been cited as one of the best-selling novels of all time at 200 million copies.
1: And I have not read it, have you? (laughs) I
0: was just about to add (laughs) the exact same line at the end. No, I have not. Only four of Jane Austen's six famous books were published during her lifetime. And we will hear a little more about that later, I think, on how a lot of these authors were not appreciated until after their deaths.
1: Mm -hmm. Sadly, you know? I feel like that's the pattern with most authors.
0: So here it is, people. In this episode, we're going to go over a few of the popular writers and poets that come from and were inspired by Britain and their famous works. As we said, Britain is comprised of England, Scotland, Wales, and even Northern Ireland. But we're going to leave Northern Ireland out of this mostly because we covered that last year in our 50 Reasons to Visit Ireland podcast. Go back and listen. (laughs) We're also not really going to mention Rabbi Burns today. Sorry guys. He is obviously Scotland's most famous writer. Um, but we just decided to leave him out today because we're going to be covering him in other episodes across for different reasons, I guess. So
1: Yes. Nothing against Robbie Burns, right?
0: Call him Rabby, if you're if you're a real Scotch. Rabbi. Rabbi Burns.
1: Rabbi. Alright, well, nothing against William Shakespeare, who is getting a lot of attention today, and he's our first author up for the episode Shakespeare was born and raised in Stratford-upon-Avon, Warwickshire in 1564 He wrote many famous tragedies, comedies, sonnets, long narrative poems, and many more plays and other writings. Famous ones include Romeo and Juliet which I have read, Othello, Hamlet which I read parts of, and Macbeth I,
0: think you I, know, I did. Romeo and Juliet and Macbeth in school I think I also started King Lear but then I went back and repeated the year so we had to start all over again with a new book which was Macbeth
1: interesting he spent time living in London but many details of his life are not known because of undocumentation. they call the years between 1585 and 1592 his lost years the dark ages huh because they know absolutely nothing about what he did
0: he was probably just drinking a lot
1: Or maybe he lived a double life, you know. Possible. Maybe he was like a secret agent.
0: Well, Then we'd have two lives we know nothing about.
1: That is so true. That is so true. It is believed that he traveled all around Britain writing his plays and poems as he went. There is a Shakespeare museum in Boston. Woohoo! Shout out to R. That's where we are. That's where we are. As well as his birthplace in Britain has been turned into a museum as well. Fun fact. The longest word used in Shakespeare's plays is, oh God, here we go, honorificabilitudinitatibus. That's
0: a stupid word.
1: It's a great word, which means invincible, glorious honorableness.
0: And there's invincible, glorious honor in being able to pronounce that word. Thank you. You didn't do a very good Yes, job. I did. No, no, yeah, I you did. You knew that was coming. Uh, no,
1: no, no, actually. Caitlin, I... have you
0: ever been to Stratford-upon-Avon?
1: I haven't. You have
0: not, no. Wow. Hunters, anybody in this room ever been there.
1: Uh, I have a feeling maybe I'm looking at one of them right now. Have you? Yes, I've been there. <laughs> I, I have.
0: I walked in Shakespeare's hallowed halls, and I visited the places he used to call home. And... Did you feel like
1: the bard? No. No.
0: No, Um, I did really like the town, though. Hmm. It's a very nice place to visit. Okay. I was kind of surprised by how much I liked it. which, really? if, if I am being honest, I thought it was just it was more than fine, a huh? stupid tourist trap that was like, hey, this guy lived here 500 years ago. Um, so here we are. But it's actually, it's really nice. It's a small town. Um, it's got some of them kind of old Shakespearean looking buildings, which is nice. Nice. It has got his birthplace that's, I won't say it's kept intact, but it is A place you can visit and go through and see where he kind of slept and stuff like that. Question?
1: I think his wife was also born nearby that area, right? Anne Mm. Hathaway? I feel like I've read about that. We can cut that out if you don't want me to sound stupid, but I'm pretty Um. sure...
0: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people would have nice. met their wives close by to where they live.
1: Okay, but it, n- not a lot of people have museums where their wives were born where you can go visit them. So uh, I don't
0: know about that. I'm pretty sure. Um, I went to Shakespeare's old schoolhouse, which was kind of cool too. Um, The headmaster there, headmaster in inverted commas, was actually quite good in character. and went through in... Nice. Pretty quickly, but in great detail at the same time about how a typical kind of school was run there, including the one Shakespeare was at and, you know, how they did their lessons and stuff like that. And we got to sit on the benches that he presumably sat at and stuff like that. Which was cool. And then we also got to go and see a play at the Playhouse in Stratford. was cool. It wasn't one of Shakespeare's, but it was interesting to have it like the globe shape or whatever and have people up high and down low and close to the stage and have just like a stage in the middle of the audience almost, which was cool. So Um. it was it was a really interesting experience. I really liked staying there. I think we stayed there for two nights in the end. Um not much of a nightlife there if I'm being totally (laughs) honest. But but it is it's a cool I would recommend anybody to stop there for a day, to be honest. It's in like the middle of England, so if you're going from London up to Scotland or up to the north of England or whatever. It's a nice little place to stop off for a night, absolutely.
1: I just poked my head. The closest I came to any Shakespearean encounters and experiences in England was poking my head in the Globe Theatre in In London, London. which was cool. But I was poor and a student and almost saw a show, but I did not. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll
0: add it to the list.
1: Of course, yep. All right, well, moving on to Lewis Carroll, another...
0: You don't like this person, right?
1: Or... Another classic. I love Lewis Carroll. And I'm and obsessed with Alice def- in Wonderland. Yeah, you hate Alice I in definitely Martin. hate, no, I love Alice in Wonderland. Carroll was known as a writer, poet, and a photographer. He was most famous for children's fiction like Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and the sequel Through the Looking Glass. He was born in Cheshire in 1832, but moved to North Yorkshire where he stayed most of his life. Carol lived his life with many ailments, such as suffering from whooping cough, leaving him with a weak chest and deaf in one ear from the fever. How sad. He also dealt with a stammer through his life and a bad knee problem that left him walking slumped to the side, and people described him as asymmetrical. I think I did hear that, actually. Yeah. Sounds
0: miserable. I
1: know, I know. Throughout his life, besides writing, he had his own photography studio, Invented many different games, rules, and smaller inventions, like double-sided tape or adhesive, how to find the correct margins on a typewriter, and a steering device for a Velocame, which is a type of tricycle. Yeah, I actually watched a documentary about him maybe like two months ago. And I've learned some interesting things. I just, I don't know, I feel like at the time, you know, in today's world, we just think, oh, like, Lewis Carroll, like, so cool, and I mean, I guess if you're me, that's what you think. Yeah. But, <laughs> but back then, I, I I don't know if you know much about Alice and her family, but Alice was a real girl, and the whole story of Alice in Wonderland started one day when the little girls were, they were on a boat with him and his friend, and the girls were really bored and there was no way to pass the time other than to tell a story and um he told the story and alice convinced him to write it down because she liked it so much but he was a little too close to alice and there's a lot of speculation as to how close that relationship really was not to get weird on you not to make this podcast a whole different thing but he actually had a falling out with alice's family and they did not talk for years and years Interesting. But he made a ton of money off of this story, so
0: Living next door to <laughs> Alice.
1: Yeah. Alice. Yeah. Yeah. probably
0: probably the same Alice right
1: sure probably yeah. fun fact Carol is known for creating what is today known as the game of Scrabble another fun fact Joe okay. oh my
0: god she just pointed at me there like, like this, I'm so excited this is why arm. this is why I
1: wanted to talk about this is why I told you can I take the first half of the podcast so um like three years ago my friend Megan gave me a necklace that has it's a little square and it has a little drawing of Alice on the one side okay on the other side is a letter, right? Right? It's a scrabble piece. And I always wondered why the heck would someone make a now necklace I out of know. a scrabble piece, and now I know. Well, so now it has so much more meaning to me. Anyway. That is
0: the funnest of facts. <laughs> um talk to me. Not that I'm not familiar with Alice in Wonderland, but yeah. why did we talk about Lewis Carroll? And Alice in Wonderland as an English author. What reasons would people have for visiting? So he Mm -hmm. attended
1: Oxford. And Oxford is not only a cool destination all on its own, but it's got a lot of Lewis Carroll inspiration and a lot of influences from that area. So Oxford would be a great place to check out. Um, We actually were in Oxford in November last year. And we didn't have a lot of time there. But even if you just poke your head into the little shops nearby, there's all kinds of Alice stuff there that you can get and just a lot of really cool stuff i see. see yeah yeah indeed yes all right moving on to george orwell originally born in india george orwell moved to england with his family and spent most of his life there his passion for england inspired him to write the essay england your england of course his most famous works worth noting are 1984 and animal farm as well as a lot of great other ones. You can visit the British Library to find out more about his life and works, as well as take a walking tour in London to discover more about the great city that inspired him. And if you're really up for adventure, you can stay at the cottage where he wrote 1984, located in Jura, Scotland.
0: I really want to visit Jura, not for that reason, no? just because it's an island in Scotland. And yeah. It does pretty good whiskey, and I kind of want to go there more now for that nice. reason.
1: Nice, nice. There you go. Thank All you right. for indulging me. You heard it here. T.S. Eliot, switching gears now, one of the 20th century's major poets, is well known for works like Joe's favorite poem, which I'm not going to pronounce right probably, The Love of J. Alfred. already, already wrong. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, I psyched myself up for it. All right, so he's well known for works like Joe's favorite poem, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Yes. Really? Yes. No? Okay. I always want to say Peacock, and I know it's not that, but this was seen as a masterpiece in the modernist movement. Some other great works are The Wasteland, The Hollow Men, and Ash Wednesday. You can see locations that inspired his works in London. Places like The Monument to the Great Fire of London and St. Magnus the Martyr influenced Eliot's The Wasteland. As with George Orwell, T.S. Eliot is also recognized at the British Library, and you can learn more about him with a visit there. Hello, this is Amy. Pardon the interruption, but I would like to ask you all to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and lots more. We would really appreciate your reviewing us on any and all of these, as that is the best way for new listeners to find us. Right now we have a segment called Caitlin's Little Jack Horner, which is cocky rhyming slang for Caitlin's corner. In this segment we give Caitlin some slang and she has to guess what the translation is to proper English. Today's slang is China Plate.
0: China plate, Caitlin. We picked China Plate, so I, I they gave me two options this week and one of them was brass tacks. But that doesn't really rhyme and it's also been popularized. I don't know if you know, but like when people say let's get down to brass tacks business. It means let's get down to the facts basically. Oh. Or that's where it comes from and facts was the cockney rhyming slang. So I just I didn't think that one was fair. Okay. So China plate is obviously much easier.
1: China plate. <laughs> it's so much easier. Oh yeah. Uh, so
0: we'll get you later on that one. Okay. You, have a chance to think interesting.
1: About it. Interesting. Alright. You know what I was thinking was Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. <laughs> From Mulan. <laughs>
0: Probably need to watch Mulan. I suppose, wow! At first. Oh my gosh! Oh,
1: That's like the best song. I used to listen to that when I was in college and I had to write a paper <laughs> to motivate. <laughs> that. That's <laughs> a good motivated. one. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Ally gets it. Ali, not Amy, gets it. <laughs>
0: Okay, moving on to our next author. We are going to talk about Charles Dickens. Dickens was born in Portsmouth in 1812, but moved all over Britain as a child. His most famous works include A Tale of Two Cities, A Christmas Carol, David Copperfield, and Our Mutual Friend. I was trying to think of a line from... A Christmas carol to say after that one, but I literally couldn't think of one, I don't know why.
1: Christmas carol.
0: Um, Happy Christmas, yeah, everyone. Yeah, God bless us, everyone. Oh, it's God bless the d- See, I knew I was wrong. <laughs> it is said that Dickens got most of his inspiration for his writings from his bitter childhood, where he had to drop out of school at 15 to work 12 hours a day because of his father's death. Happy, happy, right? Really happy. Uh, <laughs> in London, there is a small Charles Dickens Museum you can visit that has over 100,000 items of Dickens like manuscripts, personal items, and more. That happens to be the house where he wrote Oliver Twist, the Pickwick Papers, and Nicholas Nickleby.
1: That's a fun name.
0: Yes, it is. Um, obviously, Dickens is very, very famous and it's hard to want to visit a place based on what you just heard about how he had an awful childhood and that's what inspired him to write. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's hard to leave somebody like Charles Dickens out of something like this. Fun fact about Dickens. He had a pet raven that he stuffed <laughs> when the bird died. <laughs> I did not write this <laughs> fun fact. But I think it goes along with them. Um... I don't know why it's so- i think it's because of my inflection as i was saying i hadn't read it yet
1: really fun fact this is hilarious you're gonna love this kids
0: (laughs) our next author jane austen was born in steventon hampshire in 1775 her most famous works are pride and prejudice sense and sensibility and emma and I said that somebody else wrote Pride and Prejudice earlier and I was wrong, you but were I'll get wrong. into that a little bit later. Yes. She attended a boarding school and had a literary library in her childhood home where she found her love for writing. The house Jane spent the last eight years of her life in is now open to the public as a museum. She died at the ripe old age of forty one from Addison's disease what's the fun fact going to be for this one can't wait (laughs) she was the first writer to use the phrase dinner party and the earliest recorded use of the word baseball allegedly I'm not sure I believe any of that fancy fake news um (laughs) yeah so I did say I was like yeah she wrote Pride and Prejudice and you were like no that was Jane Austen so then I had to look up and see what the next author wrote and it was Jane Eyre that she wrote. Mm. So one of the Bronte sisters wrote Jane Eyre. I confused her for Jane Austen and can, thought that Jane Eyre wrote. You're allowed. And Prejudice. You're allowed to make mistakes. So the there, was, there was a leap at least. There was. But yes, we can't pass the podcast without talking about the Bronte sisters. Anne, Emily and Charlotte, and that's an increasing order of fame, wrote many famous books together and on their own throughout their lives. These included Wuthering Heights by Emily, Jane Eyre by Charlotte, and Agnes Grey by Anne. Wuthering Heights was one of the worst-selling books during the sisters' lives, but now is the most popular of the Bronte sisters' books. Today, you can visit the Bronte Parsonage Museum in West Yorkshire to see some of the Bronte family's manuscripts, letters, early edition novels, and have a tour through their home, if you you were into that kind of thing.
1: Can you imagine, like... Putting your heart and soul into something. Having it do terribly. And then you die. (laughs) you die, right? And then all of a sudden people love your work later. It's like the classic. And somebody
0: who is distantly related to you makes a shit ton of money off of that.
1: You're welcome, great, 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 great granddaughter. And then that
0: lady who wrote the song called Wuthering Heights and made a ton of money off that too. Yeah. My
1: Wuthering,
0: Wuthering,
1: Wuthering Heights. (laughs) It's
0: my... Oh, i liked it's that my soprano voice that
1: was really good my
0: uh, my voice isn't fully warmed up i, I could hit the higher <laughs> notes i promise
1: should be in a barbershop <sighs> quartet on your days off
0: barbershop quartet i thought that was like men's voices that do a cappella.
1: they need they need all all levels oh okay you, you need a high one too okay yeah to yeah know. yeah there you go I see uh, your I side job look
0: into it right away <laughs>
1: okay
0: Not gonna lie, a little bit disappointed in our friend Joanne K. Rowling. This is the third time she stood us up, so we will not be inviting her back again. We do not have an interview for you this week, but instead, I am going to read some poetry like I did back in the day, back in 50 Reasons Ireland for a few episodes. It is a poem by somebody we mentioned earlier in the episode, T.S. Eliot. And a little fun fact. This is really fun. Just, just brace yourselves for this one. T.S. Eliot was born on the same day as me, except 100 years before. So we share a birthday, except 100 years. Um, I He's one of the poets I studied while I was in school and I don't know why, but his poem, The Love Song of J.R.F. For Prufrock, which I mentioned earlier, has just stuck with me since school. I know it was my English teacher's favorite poem. And I am very much into dark, depressing (laughs) um, poetry and songs and stuff like that. So this has stuck with me since then. We're not going to show you the whole thing because it's six minutes long. And I think nobody would listen ever again if we did that. But here is just a little excerpt from that poem and everybody should check it out. Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky like a patient etherized upon a table. Let us go throughout certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights in one-night cheap hotels and sawdust restaurants with oyster shells. Streets that follow like a tedious argument of insidious intent to lead you to an overwhelming question. Oh, do not ask what is it. Let us go and make our visit. In the room, the women come and go, talking of Michelangelo." the yellow fog that rubs its back up on the window panes, the yellow smoke that rubs its muzzle on the window panes, licked its tongue into the corners of the evening, lingered upon the pools that stand in drains, let fall upon its back the soot that falls from chimneys, slipped by the terrace, made a sudden leap, and seeing that it was a soft October night, curled once about the house and fell asleep. And indeed there will be time for the yellow smoke that slides along the street, rubbing its back upon the window panes, there will be time, there will be time to prepare a face to meet the faces that you meet. There will be time to murder and create, and time for all the works and days of hands that lift and drop a question on your plate. Time for you, and time for me, and time yet for a hundred indecisions, and for a hundred visions and revisions. Before the taking of a toast and tea, in the room the women come and go, talking of Michelangelo and indeed there will be time to wonder, do I dare, and do I dare, time to turn back and descend the stair, with a bald spot in the middle of my hair, they will say, how his hair is growing thin, they will say, but how his arms and legs are thin, do I dare disturb the universe, in a minute there is time, for decisions and revisions, which a minute will reverse, for I have known them all already, known them all, have known the evenings, mornings, afternoons, I have measured out my life with coffee spoons. I know the voice is dying with a dying fall, beneath the music from a farther room. So how shall I presume? Is it the perfume from a dress that makes me so digress, arms that lie along a table or wrap about a shawl? And should I then presume and how should I begin? Shall I say I have gone at dusk through narrow streets and watched the smoke that rises from the pipes of lonely men in shirt sleeves leaning out of windows? I should have been a pair of ragged claws, scuttling across the floors of silent seas. And then the afternoon, the evening, sleeps so peacefully, smoothed by long fingers asleep, tired, or it malingers, stretched on the floor, here beside you and me. Should I, after tea and cakes and ices, have the strength to force the moment to its crisis? But though I have wept and fasted, wept and prayed, though I have seen my head, grown slightly bald, brought in upon a platter. I am no prophet, and here is no great matter. I have seen the moment of my greatness flicker. I have seen the eternal footman hold my coat and snicker, and in short I was afraid. And would it have been worth it, after all, after the cups, the marmalade, the tea, among the porcelain, among some talk of you and me, would it have been worthwhile to have bitten off the matter with a smile, to have squeezed the universe into a ball, to roll it towards some overwhelming question? To say I am Lazarus, come from the dead, come back to tell you all, I shall tell you all. If one, settling a pillow by her head, should say, That is not what I meant at all, that is not it, at all. And would it have been worth it after all? Would it have been worthwhile, after the sunsets, and the dooryards, and the sprinkled streets, after the novels, after the teacups, after the skirts that trail along the floor, and this and so much more? It is impossible to say just what I mean. But as if a magic lantern threw the nerves in patterns on a screen, would it have been worthwhile if one settling a pillow or throwing off a shawl and turning toward the window should say, that is not it at all. That is not what I meant at all. I grow old. I grow old. I shall wear the bottoms of my trousers rolled. Shall I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? Shall I wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach? And I have heard nothing. I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think they will sing to me. I have seen them riding seaward on the waves, combing the white hair of the waves blown back. When the wind blows the water white and black, we have lingered in the chambers of the sea, by sea girls wreathed with seaweed red and brown, till human voices wake us, and we drown. China plate, Kate, then. China plate. You have had literally minutes to think about it.
1: Literally minutes. You've had
0: this whole interview. You've been, it's been running through I your know. head. What <laughs> is about China plate? China Cockney plate. rhyming slang for. It's an easy one. Is it though? No, is by, it... by easy, I mean very difficult.
1: Yeah, well, okay. Uh, I've had to
0: look back at it three times to, to remember plate. what it is.
1: Uh, I don't think I'm going to get this one, guys. How about gate? I'm trying to play gate.
0: No, you need to move further down the alphabet. I'm afraid. Wait. Back a little.
1: <laughs> good bit. <laughs> um, hate. Maybe C D F G. Oh
0: wow, you moved. Oh. <laughs> no, wow. I took a tiny tiptoe. Completely forward. wrong. All right, I, I got nothing. Mate. Mate. Yeah.
1: Mate, as in like we're no, best I mates. No, I don't. Don't
0: ask any more questions. I don't. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't ask questions, Caitlin. Just non-smile. Just,
0: just know that you're wrong, and we move on from there. Okay. The
1: day of being wrong for the both of us, I think.
0: China plate. Wow. China late.
1: plate. All right. Great.
0: Ooh. Look at what I did there. Look at what
1: I did. All right. What else is great, Joe? Is our Britain unwritten for this episode? Now I know we've talked about J.K. Rowling, but she's like my favorite author ever. So we have to talk about her again, even for just a second. J.K. Rowling wrote the best-selling book series in history in Britain, as we have mentioned before, and she's also the UK's best-selling living author, which brings us to, of course, Agatha Christie. I know we covered her a little bit, but she wrote mostly detective novels and short stories in London. She's in the Guinness World Records at the best-selling novelist of all time. Beowulf, something I did not read that I know is... Big one for a lot should of people. You pronounce it
0: like that, or are you just guessing?
1: How do you pronounce it? Beowulf. Really? I don't know. I haven't heard it that oh, way.
0: Well, keep going. Then. Okay,
1: I've heard Beowulf. Beowulf is considered one of the most important works of Old English literature, written by an unknown author in the period of nine seventy five to ten twenty five, but widely used in education around the world today. Except where I went to school, apparently. We mentioned Arthur Conan Doyle a few episodes ago, but we should note that the inspiration he got for his work of The Hound of the Baskervilles came from Dartmoor. Fans of Sherlock Holmes and this novel will want to check out the Devon area and Dartmoor National Park.
0: And our episode six, I believe, which delves into the area and that book a little bit
1: more deeply. And my great interview with Alex, who was so nice to talk to. Yes. He's just so great.
0: I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high, blah, 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 blah. That's a Wordsworth poem. We didn't mention Wordsworth today either. We didn't mention a hundred other poets and writers that we could have mentioned. We had to pick and choose as best we could the ones that may have a tourist element to them. But there are tons and tons more that we could have mentioned and we didn't. Um, Robbie Burns is the main one that we actually legitimately left out for a reason. The rest of them can be argued after that. Robbie,
1: not Robbie. Bronte, I not mean, Bronte. I mean, he's,
0: he's Robert, but because he's Scottish, people shortened Rabby. that to Rabby. Okay. And now there's a tour company named after him. So yeah. Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go.
1: Good call. Yep. All right.
0: Okay. We have a tour for the reason this week, and it is Warwick Castle, Stratford, Oxford, and the Cotswolds England Day Tour. People are still slow to realize that England is an awesome place to visit for a kind of full self-drive tour and they like to instead tack on a few days in London at the end of whatever tour they're doing, be it Scotland or Ireland or whatever. Uh, But if you do find yourself in London and you want to take a day tour out of London to see a lot of the country in one day, this is a tour for you. (laughs) The birthplace of William Shakespeare, the greatest writer in the English language... The birthplace of William Shakespeare, the greatest writer in the English language and home to the theaters of the world-renowned Royal Shakespeare Company, Stratford is a charming market town set in the heart of rural England. I said all that basically in the same words earlier, except it was in short bursts like this, like how I talk, Because because I'm not very poetic.
1: Like all good writers, you just use different words to say the same thing.
0: Exactly. Thank you. You're welcome. A delightful river winds its way through the town, past the beautiful Holy Trinity Church, where Shakespeare lies buried. There are some wonderful half-wooden buildings that date back to Shakespeare's time, including Shakespeare's birthplace. A visit to the birthplace is included in this tour. Outside of that, I have actually not been to Warwick Castle, but I've been past it. It looks really nice, and I'm sure it's very well worth a visit. Oxford is a really I don't want to say cute because it's a bigger town than that charming would be pretty good and it's nice to walk around the university there and there's tons of cool shops that you can you know you can spend a couple of hours there between just getting tea walking around the college and walking around the town to be quite honest
1: it's beautiful really I mean it's very elegant at the same time
0: and you fit in some of the Cotswolds as well as what I just mentioned about Shakespeare's um, birthplace or Shakespeare's hometown as well so, we're getting Woo-hoo. close to the end, and it's time for Caitlin to open her mouth and smile. <laughs> <Her> weird <laughs> smile that she does. I
1: don't have a weird smile.
0: It's only for Caitlyn Cares you have a weird uh, okay. smile. Okay,
1: fine. I'll take it.
0: She does that thing anyway for Caitlin Cares. That
1: thing. She does that thing.
0: Yeah, an open mouth smile. <laughs> what sort of animals do you think you're going to see today? Oh, I give away a clue there.
1: Animals. Okay, what well, we talked about, we've already seen owls before. I'm just thinking like J.K. Rowling, owls. Maybe Alice in Wonderland, like a bunny or like the white rabbit.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <gasps> oh.
0: <laughs> it is. Actually. at fir- It's her first guess. It is owls. Their
1: eyes take up half of their body.
0: They're really small owls. They're
1: so cute. And they're
0: covered in snow.
1: They're little babies. So they're trying to stay warm. Look at their They have little snow hats.
0: They don't even know that they're cold. They I don't, don't
1: even know. They just know that like they're huddling. They're huddling together. They're cuddling and huddling and they're if, trying to stay warm. If
0: they had arms, they'd be wrapped around each they other. They would. Right? But they And
1: don't. They'd, be, they'd be like, they'd be putting their hands together like this, you know, wearing mittens.
0: So they're homeless people under a bridge. Is that what you're <laughs> trying to say now?
1: No, I think they're too happy to be homeless. I think maybe. Homeless people can be happy that's true nothing against homeless people um but but look at how adorable they are they're just happy they don't even know they're just hanging out they're just like hello like i feel like if this was a moving image that they'd be batting their eyelashes like oh hello oh just us hanging out here no big deal we
0: don't even need to be adopted we can look after ourselves
1: (laughs) i would adopt them though what would you name them what do you think
0: I think the one on your left is a boy and the other one's a girl, how would you say?
1: Sure. You mean sure? I don't know. I feel like I don't know, maybe. I yeah, okay.
0: Karen what? and Billy?
1: No. They have to rhyme. Like
0: Silly and Billy?
1: No. Silly and Billy.
0: It's my nephew's birthday in a couple of days, his Ooh. name is Billy. So. <laughs>
1: um I don't know. Like Benny and Lenny. Benny and Jenny. Benny and Jenny. Boy and girl. Benny and Jenny.
0: All right, Benny and Jenny. They're going to flap
1: their little wings and fly away and just have the most magical.
0: Control yourself, for God's sake. Can you take us home, please?
1: All right. Well, I hope this was a novelty episode that gave you some sensibility on authors in Britain. Join us next time on November 27th for our music episode. Episode 12, that is. We want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast if you Hamlet already. We are going to get rolling out. And those puns were very painful for me.
0: That, that Hamlet one was a stretch.
1: Well, you know. It's not great. I, it's artistic creation. Sure. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Cheerio.